Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Hello, my name is Tony Naylor and I'm your host today on the BBC Good Food Podcast with Chef Tom Kerridge. And in this episode, we're going to talk about booze-free drinking with the help of expert Miriam Nice, author of The Art of Drinking Sober, a collection of 50 non-alcoholic cocktail recipes for non-drinkers, the curious, or those of us already committed to increasing their dry days without sacrificing the flavour in their glass. A range of states that I think covers everyone contributing to this podcast. Uh, so I'll go first in telling uh, the listeners where I am with alcohol, as uh, naturally that will colour our views uh, as we go through this. I drink, and while there are certain days uh, when I dial down my intake, uh, which we'll come to, I suppose, um, that's done more, I suppose, by simply not drinking than it is by drinking uh, alcohol-free drinks. Uh, so, Tom... You are an example to us all, I believe, in that you've cut out booze completely. <laughs> yeah, I'm a complete non-drinker for nine years now. So, yeah, I'm a, a non-drinker because I used to drink everything, all of it, to vast quantities, to the point where it became a problem and an obsession and a, and was affecting my m- mindfulness. So I stopped. Are you feeling the benefits of that? <laughs> Yeah. Are you a man transformed? Well, it's, it's very different. Well, I, see, so people, when I talk about it, and people will talk about, are you an alcoholic? Have you been an alcoholic? Is it an a, And I would say my problem is always around um, consumption addiction. Um, and so I have to fill space and voids with stuff. So that part of my life was all about alcohol and that was it that was that was it but now and i had one pub so since stopping drinking i now have six restaurants a festival business an event company uh, i try to go to the gym every day i do i i fill it with stuff i become i i consume huge amounts of dust doing different things so i remove alcohol and something else fills that void i I just constantly have to be pouring stuff into my body whether a mind uh and at this point it's it's not alcohol because i i find one there's no such thing as a drink how have you replaced that drinking if you have i mean are you drinking alcohol free beer are you drinking other alcohol free drinks or have you just weaned yourself off my social the, life the, is, the taste and the flavor of it no my yeah no my social life has become very different so i i used to work very hard to get out and then to go to the pub to get, every day to get you know late at night to drink late at night to drink it was all about the consumption of drink and alcohol so now i'm about um my life is very different it's consumed with work i also now have a 6 year old son you know so it's always there's always my 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 world is very very different i don't go to the pub anymore i'm not a social drinker i have you know i, I and if i go out for dinner with my wife i'm very, i'm all friends i'm very happily drink um uh, Perhaps if it's a real top-end lovely restaurant, you know, they'll pair non-alcoholic drinks to go with the meal that you're having. Or, you know, I'll quite happily, you know, drink sparkling water. Like, I'm not really overly bothered by it because I can't... the association of it, it just just clicks into a space where I can't let myself go. Miriam? uh, Hello. You've written this book. Hello. Uh, So where are you with drinking... (laughs) 
um, the moment. I guess maybe somewhere in between the two of you. So I think the term is like sober curious, which is, <laughs> right. sounds way more exciting than it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do drink and I write recipes for cocktails and for mocktails. So yeah. So presumably that gave you uh, a slightly different outlook in terms of what you were trying to achieve with this book then. Yeah, I really liked the the challenge. Actually, I was asked to to work on it. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed thinking about what the flavours were in the original version. So a lot of them are based on classic cocktails anyway. So um, I'll let you guys try like a, a driver's sunrise, which is based on a tequila sunrise, and then looking at what's in those flavours, what's in tequila, and trying to emulate that with other ingredients like botanicals and fruit and things. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh, explain what I'm drinking here. So I'm on a cardamom soda. You've got a cardamom soda, which is like my favourite kind of gins actually have quite a lot of cardamom notes in, like some juniper, but mainly like cardamom and coriander. And that is a infusion that I made with, um, it's just water, like boiling water with um, cardamom pods, coriander seeds and lime zest. And uh, yeah, just let that with a few cloves as well, which gives it a kind of slight menthol note, which makes it feel hopefully um, a bit boozy. and yeah, just infuse those and then added some tonic water and a splash of rose water at the end. Yeah, yeah. it's very nice. Uh, kind <laughs> of it, the midpoint between Turkish delight and a G&T. Great, So, great. you know, that's already more interesting than most non-alcoholic drinks I'm used to drinking. So Awesome. So, I mean, obviously over the last few years, uh, we've seen this massive increase in interest in uh, non-alcoholic drinking. Um uh, Tom, you may tell me you've not even tried them, but I mean, how impressed have we been with new products coming onto the market? So, Miriam, uh, presumably you've tried spirits, non-alcoholic spirits in the process of putting the book together. Where where did you think we're at with that? I think there's an amazing selection. There's lots popping up all the time. Um, some are really great. Some are less great, um, as with any kind of new market. But um, I think what I tried to do with this book was allow people to use, say, for example, the cardamom soda. If you found a non-alcoholic gin alternative that had that similar flavour profile, absolutely, you could use that instead. But I wanted to give people the option to make it at home themselves in a really simple, quick way. I think the other problem with some of the non-alcoholic spirits is alcohol is a natural preservative. So some of the non-alcoholic products won't last as long. So if you if there's not a lot of you in your house, like, you know, it's not going to last as long as a bottle of gin. So sometimes making a, sw- a small quantity at home would be a nice thing to do so you're not wasting it really i was laughing at that just a little bit because a bottle of gin when i drank didn't last long in my head okay, anyway. so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, you know you say it wouldn't last as long as a bottle of gin however uh, have you tried non, non-alcoholic beers so um yes i have so beer so when I was a drinker, beer was my thing, right? So I was all over the beer. Now, I, I, there's two things. It's, it's quite strange when you, and I'm sure, Miriam, in your research and conversations, when you speak to people who, who have a few issues with alcohol and the way that they deal with it, it's not just flavour profiles. It's association. It smells and it's position. It's where it takes you into your world, which is why you get, why you drink and consume huge amounts. And what you want to do because it's taking your whole mindset and body to somewhere else rather than just, oh, this tastes nice you know beer essentially you know why kids when they drink beer they go i don't like it because maybe it doesn't taste that nice maybe it's everything else that associates with it you go this is you know a great thing about it is that alcohol is fantastic for social occasions because it does create environments and moods and you know that's where it becomes quite special so when you have non-alcoholic drinks it's very it, it, it there's it, 
it can almost be quite binary. It's almost like it's just flavors that you're looking at here. So when it comes to non-alcoholic cocktails, I enjoy them because I never used to drink cocktails anyway. So I, I just kind of feel that, yeah, this is quite nice. It's a, it, it's a way into it um, that I can thoroughly enjoy and be a part of an evening that feels quite celebratory or special or whatever else. But when it came to beer, uh, there's a period of... Um, I stopped drinking. It must have been about two and a half years. And I finished on a Saturday night service. It was about 9.30 and there was a few tables to go and I thought I'll get out earlier. I'll give Beth a little call and see if she wants to meet us in town for a quick for a quick drink. So it was Saturday night, met her in town for, for, for a quick drink. She had a gin and tonic and normally I'd have, I don't know, a, a, a Diet Coke or something like that. And I just thought there was a non-alcoholic beer in the fridge behind the bar. And I said, oh, I'll have, I'll have one of those. That'll be right it's non-alcoholic it'll be fine it's the first time that i had it and it was the the smell the atmosphere the energy the whole thing i drank eight of them in 20 minutes i was like on it again it was like i was on this thing i was like on this massive drug and it was non-alcoholic it was like, it, there was the whole association so no i don't drink because that's fr- it frightened me actually it made me go well oh, after 25 minutes i said beth i got to go home i don't know i was going into that space again so i'm right okay i've got to not be that person so i don't do the non-alcoholic beers however drinks like this this looks beautiful so what is this so that's the driver sunrise yeah. so what i did was i infused um some orange juice there's actually some blood orange juice in there because i ran out of normal oranges yeah but it's beautiful <laughs> oh phew <laughs> and I infused it with some um, white pepper white peppercorns some coriander seeds and uh, then at the bottom there's some red wine vinegar with grenadine so it looks very silly and fun because it's got a bit of ginger and a cocktail cherry so it's but yeah. it's gorgeous <laughs> the, the thing is you get flavour profiles it's delicious and now I didn't I don't associate that with an alcoholic drink I associate that with wonderful flavours and a well constructed balance of something very very nice to drink so, but I have had the non-alcoholic spirits as well, and I quite like them. They, they're, they're pretty. There's, there's some technical issues here. I mean, interestingly, beer has come on in leaps and bounds in the last few years in terms of non-alcoholic beer because historically, uh, you know, most of them were about stripping out alcohol after the products have been made, which heat treating them. It's pretty kind of, you know, can be damaging for the drink. It's more about controlled fermentation now. So people are kind of going far deeper into the actual brewing process to create something that's similar in flavour profile to beer, which, you know, I was I was curious as to whether you were still drinking it in part because, you know, certainly one thing I would miss if I wasn't drinking beer was, you know, that bitterness that, you know, the, I like the flavour of beer. It's not a purely alcoholic thing for me, I hope. Um, in your restaurants, I mean, do you serve any alcohol, uh, non-alcoholic wines? Because that's one area, I mean, reading, I've, I've rarely seen sommeliers get that enthusiastic about them because you're stripping out a lot of alcohol there and they seem often not to work that well. Uh, no, we don't. I, I don't think we do. I don't think we've come across any yet that have been on a level, because you can create beautiful non-alcoholic cocktails like this that taste lovely and you're right with the non-alcoholic beers they the profile the flavor profile of them has come on so well wine i don't think that we haven't got no one's got it quite right yet so if you've got a non-alcoholic beer can sit quite happily along the the rest of the beer range mocktails sit quite happily with with cocktails the problem with wine is you know if you if you've got a really nice wine list and all of a sudden you've got this wine on that just exists because it's non-alcoholic it suddenly takes it it's, it's not very good so you want things to be great we do, I, we haven't come across one that's that holds up to its uh to to its own yet miriam as our cocktails are kind of uh, a far wider sphere in which you can operate and i suppose there's a lot more you can do there 
if you have got the time, energy, intuition, ingenuity, uh, you can build a lot of flavour into that in the same way you would a dish of food. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I really liked doing it. And also it's kind of quicker as well than making, you know, you don't have to put something in the oven for half an hour. You can kind of shake it up in a shaker and be done in 10 minutes. So <laughs> I'm just really impatient, I think. That's what, <laughs> that's what happened. Um, sweetness is a thing that I've been dismayed by, but, you know, in, in attempting not to drink at times, you know, the options are just far too sweet. It, you know, it tastes juvenile, frankly. You know, I want bitterness. I want some sort of dryness in the things I'm drinking. Um, did you come across any tips in the process of putting this together yeah. for how you can achieve that? I think they're really important. And I think I've often referred to them as a kind of prickle. So we'll use things like vinegar or like sort of shrub based things. Um, but also, so, sorry, can you just explain what shrubs are for, you know, the So the shrub is either way you've preserved something like fruit in sugar and then you add vinegar to kind of sharpen it up or you've preserved it in vinegar and then you add sugar to kind of make it less sour. Um, and they're kind of like a basic sort of cordial that you can make and they're really delicious as a, a basis or just adding a little bit of vinegar to some of the drinks that I do so I make like an espresso martini with um, some balsamic vinegar in and it gives you I mean I say a prickle but some people say um, speed bumps and it's just something that stops you just drinking it because if you drink a, like a lemonade or a sparkling water you can just drink it straight away whereas if you have an alcoholic drink often not always but often it's something you sip over a longer period of time so having something that's a bit sharper a bit bitter a bit you know we put um sherbet on the rim of some of the glasses for the margarita mocktail that we make and again that's just something a bit different that makes you pause and enjoy the drink for a bit longer i think your your partner or husband worked on this book with you didn't yes you? yes and, husband, uh, yeah. you mentioned something to me previously a little trick of his so was it a drop of angostura's bit in what soda water soda water and lots of lime juice right. that's when he's trying not to you know, he often has a few dry days as well and I think that's that's his kind of drink of choice I mean really. we should point out the stories has got alcohol <laughs> got in it so you know but a couple of drops is we, not if it's yeah. about staying off alcohol entirely then that's probably you know uh, less wise but uh, in terms of just building that kind of steeliness I suppose yeah. that bitterness that adult kind of <laughs> profile into these drinks it does help then yeah and even just um expressing the zest from a lemon or lime over a drink over a soft drink can change it quite a lot i mean i quite like um sparkling apple juice with some lemon zest expressed over the top and if you serve that in a coupe that for me that hits the spot of a kind of you know the first glass of prosecco on a, a night out or something i think yeah. that's really nice I've, one thing i am keen on personally is there is this whole subset of uh, beers that have emerged at about 2.8 percent uh, which I think was relating to some tax break historically. So, you know, a little bit of innovation being forced through the weirdest channel there. And there's some really good stuff happening there. And, you know, uh, that seems to me, for a lot of people, a more feasible way of, if they are keen to reduce the amount they're drinking, to do it by simply drinking lower ABV uh, products. Did you find you were capable, able, you know, not in this book, obviously, because you're dealing with non-alcoholic cocktails, but have you played around removing certain elements of alcohol from cocktails is that feasible or are they generally you know a lot of classic recipes presumably came together for that for a reason uh, or can you take parts out you can you can sort of sub different things in and i think um, either way so i've had friends and family who've um who've had a copy of our book and then they've been oh i did add a little bit of gin at that point <laughs> and so what they're creating is a low alcohol cocktail which is yeah. great and I, you can do it that way or you can go the other way around so something like a negroni you can use there's some really nice like non-alcoholic versions of campari we we make a rhubarb syrup that's quite similar or you can you can buy them now and they're really nice and they've got bitterness but they don't have any 
any alcohol in them. So if you want to take one element out and just make that cocktail a little bit less boozy than it would have been, you can absolutely do that. I think it's really nice. Right. And so we'll we'll move on to kind of the uh, the how of your processes here a bit, which, you know, Tom will probably have an opinion on some of these because it's about cooking, really, or homemaking, certainly, and, you know, recipes. So, you know, you, you were very hot in the book on people kind of starting from scratch here, buying in as little as they can. Why? I think partly because I wanted to control the process. And I think there's some, there are some really nice, as I said, there's some nice non-alcoholic spirits and there's some, you know, less nice. And there's some that are really different in flavour profile. So I think instead of specifying the brand, it would just seem quite easy for me to just say, well, why don't you make this gin alternative yourself? You know, if you can make this rum syrup yourself. And then I know that what you're going to be making is as close to what I wrote down in the recipe. So... So in terms of this uh, driver summarise that Tom's drinking, yeah. so cooked orange juice. Yeah, so I bring the orange juice up to a similar, like half of it, not all of it, um, because I don't want it to completely taste super marmalade because it can, if, you, if you've had a hot orange juice, like in a sauce or something, it is, it is different. And so I split the amount and add um, some vanilla pod, um, a some coriander seeds, white um, peppercorns, and just uh, heat that up till it's simmering. Um, a little bit of honey as well. And then combine that with the uncooked orange juice. And that's the basis of the drink. So mm. it, what, what are you trying to achieve, though, by cooking it in so terms of flavour? I'm trying to infuse the um, flavour. So trying right. to get the flavour from the coriander and from the vanilla into, and the honey, I guess. So um, it's less so. about changing the, the juicy's flavour itself. It's about the infusion, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's good. Bag. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can get that flavour out. And it was nice to look at, like, what are the flavour profiles you're looking for in a, in a good tequila and then just using the actual ingredients to, to deliver that. So, yeah. Is this, in terms of, you know, booze-free drinking, the area that's the kind of greatest explosion of creativity? I, mean, I was talking to somebody recently. They make something called Kinoto, I think is how you pronounce it, Italian, by roasting fruits, roasting, roasting citrus fruits, fruits and then infusing them. And obviously kombucha is massive. And we were talking about shrubs and switchels earlier. Um is is delving into that kind of home fermenting, homemaking, the way that you can actually get seriously interesting flavours into these drinks? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I think it's, but it takes a lot more patience than I've got some of the actual brewing. So I've not gone into the kind of kombucha side, but it, a lot of people do it and absolutely love it. So, yeah. And it's, a, again, it's a great way of getting in a bit of carbonation. You can experiment and you can change the flavour yourself. So it's like, you know, the explosion of interest in things like sourdough. It's just a really nice weekend project that a lot of people like doing. So, yeah. So, Tom, are your teams in your venues increasingly trying to, you know, get across this, fusing the skills of the kitchen with those of the bartenders and working to make more of their own syrups and their own drinks. Yeah, massively. So uh, Fro, who's our head barman at the Hand of Flowers, been there for 11 years now, is is hugely involved in the kitchen um, maybe two or three times a week, whether it's using the dehydrator for dehydrating fruits or, or, or vegetables or things to go in, um, infusions, thing, and then using things like um, duck fat is something that he uses quite a lot. Um, Sorry, it, to do what with? Uh, uh, he, inf- he washes and infuses infuses um what is he infusing with it whiskies duck fat whiskies he does so so is it like all sorts of just bizarre but then you think they're bizarre but 
he's starting to he, he's talking to the chefs about the process the understanding um, how to create how to drive flavor how to pick things up and then that trans transcends and transports really nicely into um, the mocktail uh, area because because I think you're trying to you, you have to work even harder at it because you haven't got that alcohol kick you haven't got the that flavor profile that will come from a rum a whiskey a, a gin a, a you know whatever a tequila whatever it is that comes in so he has to drive those flavors through and also but there is a huge increase in the uptake of people wanting them as well when they come through the door there's a lot of people that are coming out for special occasions that are still very interested in something non-alcoholic and and they may well have a glass of wine with their main course but when they start that you know there there is a there is a much bigger uh, uh, uh market space at the minute for people who are trying to cut down on the amount of alcohol they're drinking and certainly the people i've spoken to in the restaurant sphere where they are doing that kind of matching per course it is very much about making something that in flavor is as challenging, for want of a better way of putting it, as a glass of alcohol might be. I mean, you were talking about speed bumps earlier, Miriam, but, you know, that very fact that there is just nothing satisfying in drinking something that's still and sweet that you throw down. You want something that's actually going to make you pause and, you know, enjoy it at a slower pace, savour it. Um, interestingly, you're very hot on how the drinks look as well, and that's something people have spoken to me about, you know, the right glassware, uh, serving things even per course when they're matching them that simply look like the glass of wine or whatever's being served on the alcoholic side of the pairing. So uh, what have you done to kind of make your drinks look right, for want of a better way of putting it? I think try to serve them in as close a glass as the original if it's based on a classic um i think it's really important i think both for the person making it because you actually when you're talking about um making non-alcoholic cocktails i think it's about the process as well like i really like unwinding and making a drink but actually what i don't want is that you know buzz or to feel a bit you know woozy and i think you understand your own relationship with alcohol and what it does especially the drinks before dinner like especially if i'm cooking then <laughs> having a gin and tonic before dinner and then being like oh you know it's gone to my knees a little bit and i don't want to carry on cooking i think it's nice to have a non-alcoholic version so i think the glassware was really important to feel special or to feel um you know this is as similar to the original version as possible. Um, yeah, and it just makes you feel happy. We've moved on so far, though, haven't we, from being, yeah, I'm not drinking tonight, so is an orange juice. Those are the options. You know, there are, you know, the, the, the art of drinking sober has become something that's, you know, really embraced. And the amount of work and effort that goes into it, you know, it's still the same, if not more so, than traditional um, bar and cocktail making because you're trying to drive those flavour profiles but when you talked about those speed bumps you know i just finished off that drink then it's, it's absolutely delicious but it's the layers of flavors you get layers and layers of flavors like you would with the normal cocktail. and you know when you you drink something you stop and then there's the secondary flavor that comes through on your taste buds and it's beautiful it's great and that, and it's exciting it's wonderful to drink you know and that's you know that association of having something great to drink for me, it's very different to then having something that's alcoholic that's changing a mindset. This is just all about flavour profile and layering it in, and it's beautiful. What is your ritual now when you finish service if you can't crack a beer open? I, honestly, it's it's coffee. Right. I still, yeah, I drink, I drink. Caffeine is the only thing I've got left. <laughs> Caffe <laughs> 
<laughs> caffeine and swearing, and I'm not even allowed to do that on this podcast. So, it's a, so uh, yeah, I will normally I'll go home. I might have a decaf coffee, but I'll, I'll go home. Sometimes I'll have a cup of tea, and it will be a chill out, watch a bit of rubbish telly, catch up on emails, look at social media, just that kind of. It's very di- it's very different to the days of old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Miriam, as well as the glassware, you do some things kind of more theatrical, I suppose. So, talk to us about your alcohol-free margarita. Yeah, well, we put a mixture of um, sherbet from a little sachet that comes with a lolly. But I'll mix that with salt and put that on the edge of the glass. I think there is always a mention of the garnishes, if there is, if one's needed, in the recipe. And I, I really um, say, like, don't skimp on those. I think they're really important just for the fun of it and the theatre of it. And I think it's nice, especially if you've got people coming round, to just go, yeah, I made you this. Like, you know, it's a mocktail and it's, it looks fun and inviting. So, yeah. Right then, so uh, to up our collective skills in this area, which I think Tom is going to have a significant advantage over me uh, <laughs> as a Michelin star chef, uh, Miriam is going to show us how to use a cocktail shaker properly. Oh, yeah. so, there's one each, so you can choose. There's well, two uh, shakers. Take, take, choose your weapon. Which one would you like, my friend? <laughs> I'll let you have the larger one as the more experienced right. food professional. Okay, then. I'm going to say the more experienced you. any experience. <laughs> <laughs> So what are you going to show us how to do here, Miriam? So you're going to be making the whiskey sour mocktail, which is one of my recipes on bbcgoodfood.com. Right, not so a good start. Just, just point, drop the lid. Tom Curry's just it. dropped the lid. <laughs> That's not a great start, is it? There's one of the stars gone <laughs> when they hear about this. <laughs> okay, so what I've made here... I'm sorry, it's a slightly suspicious-looking bottle, but I made some Assam infusion. Yeah, um, the, the bottles that we have here look like a mixture of kind of samples you'd be taking to your GP or things that you wouldn't be allowed to take on a plane <laughs> maybe things you find in a mechanic's garage and being very eco and reusing bottles yeah. I think you should be very well pleased well um, so I made an infusion with um, a salmon tea because I'm trying to mimic the flavours in bourbon whiskey so I made a very quick very light infusion of the tea and added a little bit of vanilla extract so if you divide that between your there's enough for two basically so if you divide that between right. your shakers I'll let Tom do that okay so what's the next one Oh, hang on, hang on, that's too much. <laughs> Sorry, it's like rubbish looking my own recipe. You need Dumped 50 mil. Um, 50 so mil. Yeah, 50 mil in each, in each one. See, don't be scared about attempting these things at home. Even the professionals <laughs> can make mistakes. I like constantly checking my own recipe. What did I say here? <laughs> yeah, 50 mils of So that the, uh, the Assam infusion is going in. Yeah. And then the next bottle is... And then there's some lemon juice. So you each want 25 mils of that. I'd let you do that. Uh, there we go. One? Yeah, it's the other side. It's upside down, 25 mils. That's that sounds like quite a lot of lemon juice. That's quite... 25 mils is quite punchy. It's, that, it's 25 yeah. that small yeah. section, yeah. yeah, before we go completely crazy. So what's the next one and after lemon juice? you each want three quarters of a tablespoon of sugar syrup. And there's some measuring spoons. Does this require a level of accuracy in the ingredients? I know that sounds like an obvious point, but obviously some recipes allow you a certain license, others don't. I mean, how have you... Are these to your personal taste or are these Three kind of Three quarters within? of a teaspoon. There, so, I mean, a lot of cocktails will say, you know, this is how you make the traditional one. So I've tried to make it as near to that as possible. I wasn't listening. Yeah, three Those, quarters of a tablespoon. Three quarters of you a tablespoon. Yeah. Tommy's looking at a s- selection of uh, spoons there as if he's never seen Some one before. Rats. Well, I was trying to work out. I was trying to remember like I was at school. I was just figuring you'd never use something like this anymore because, you know, a man of your skills would just, no, just throw do it, it by eye. Yeah. I spent a 
what of my time talking to chefs who just tell me, oh, you just chuck a bit in. Yeah, I've really pressed them for the detail and they're really reluctant to give it. And there's some egg white, so um, you can pop in about, just divvy that up between the two. So there's a whole egg white, but you only need half per okay. cocktail. So you yeah. might, if you want to hold a bit back, that might help a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, You're going to ask what the egg white's for, aren't you? This is a new, well, this is a new experience for me. I've never drunk a cocktail with egg white in it before. Never, ever. I I don't know. I reckon you might have without knowing. No, I'll be honest. I'm not a cocktail person, really. really? So, strictly beer and wine. Uh, So... Tell us what the egg white is for then, Miriam. So Tom preempting the question there. <laughs> it really helps with the kind of mouthfeel, so it makes it kind of nice and smooth, and you can, right. it gives it a little bit of frothiness, which looks really nice. So if you stick a handful of ice in each of those shakers, please. Now, are your cubes important? <laughs> ice generally is important, and it should, you know... I think putting a good handful in or like with the um, driver sunrise, I put quite a lot in the glass. It's the main ingredient, really. Um, but I use a silicon ice cube mould. But you, uh, the normal mould that you get in the fridge is still pretty good. But I think having lots of ice is very important. So, so I speak to Fro. Actually, I've, spoke, I've had a conversation with Fro, our barman, about this, about his cubes. And he's, uh, he's pointed out that the better the cube... The more, the sharper the edge, the better the ice, which is why you always want fresh ice because sometimes cocktails that are made at the end of the night where the barman hasn't been bothered to go restock the ice machine in their, or in their ice well, they're better because the sharper the cube, the, the more it cuts through, particularly when you're using egg white, it helps to sharpen and froth and work. So the ice is actually really quite an important addition to the mouthfeel, to the flavour that comes through. Yeah, and also it means that we use quite big ice cubes because I think, again, it doesn't smash up so quickly so it doesn't dilute it as quickly but yeah so yeah i was going to say i mean what a lot of people forget and i only have learned this recently is just how important the dilution is Mm. in the shaking uh hence why if you're making batch cocktails you need to have water to them yeah so the ice is actually a key component because depending on how quickly it will melt that's going to radically transform the nature of the drink, potentially. Yeah, well, I've done my best. I have brought this on the tube today, so <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> so if you make sure that the lid is on properly, because I'm guessing these microphones are not cheap. <laughs> Nothing else goes in that, that's it? But that's it, check it out, yeah. Right, so are we on a... Sorry, we're on a time limit here, then. <laughs> Until it feels really frosty cold on the outside. Yeah, but you want to get some aeration in there, so, right. yeah. Vigorous work. Brilliant. <laughs> it's the best day ever. Well, my hand's quite cold now. So, Great. Uh, yeah. Right. So there's a strainer there which you can have to Tom's share. Tom's lost and there's all the feeling of in his hands, blood. I imagine, as a chef, so he doesn't know whether it's hot, cold, yeah. anything. <laughs> Just burns calluses. Uh, if you want to put yeah. some ice in the glasses as well. So, so which way round does this go? So, you will be all right actually without that. So if you take the small lid off, it's got an inbuilt strainer. Ah, right. Okay. Hold on. So you should be okay. Yeah. So you want some ice in the glass as well, did you? Yeah. And then just make sure you're holding the main part of the lid so it doesn't come out. Yeah. Yeah. And then just pour it in your glass. Oh, that looks great. <laughs> You did have to make these recipes idiot-proof, I presume. So you know. <laughs> so uh, this is. Garnish, <laughs> don't take this question the wrong way. Are we supposed to have that head? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. That's right. Perfect. I, figured, I figured that was the case. You there know. There you go. That's, that's the egg white. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm just garnishing it with a cocktail cherry and a slice of lemon. Look at that. 
Here we are. And this is called. What's this called? So that's um, a whiskey sour mocktail, and that's on on the website. There's a lot going on there. It's good because if you don't like it, you've made it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot going on there. I'll be honest. Preferred the soda. Yeah. I because, thought you would because you prefer kind of more bitter. Yeah, this is, this is a bit sweeter, a bit fruitier, but it's nice. It's nice. Well, I love it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. it's, it's, it's delicious. It's clean. It's refreshing. I love the tea, the slight mm. undertone of tea that you get through that. I think is really, really nice. For me, I think, yeah, it's, it's very clean. It's very refreshing. This is a post, a pre-dinner drink for me. This isn't post. It's too too sharp, but I, it, but it's lovely. I think it's really nice. I don't think that's quaffable, as in, if I'd just come in from a run, I could neck a pint of that. No problem, <laughs> I think, actually. Um, yeah. But I think what's nice as well is it's the same process as making a standard whiskey sour. So if you've got people coming that are drinking, that aren't drinking, it's quite easy to just switch, you know, switch between the two. And you don't feel left out if you're having the boozy one and someone's having the non-boozy one. No, I mean, you know, it's a psychological thing to a degree, isn't it? But yeah. if somebody's made an effort yeah. about what you're drinking, I think obviously you're going to be more, you know, predisposed to kind of appreciate it and feel included, as you say. Yeah, I think so. Just now, the flavour profile changed again and that made me want to go and eat because the cocktail cherry, that's slightly infused into it. So all of a sudden you've got that really lovely sweet cherry flavour coming through. Maybe then wanted to eat the cherry, like... It's changing. It's just a slightly different layer, sip after sip. As the older it gets, the more the lemon will infuse, the more the ice will melt, the more the cherry. It's, it's great. I love it. I mean, where does your own kind of flavour profile sit? It varies. I think it kind of depends like what mood I'm in. I think probably the Driver's Sunrise is one of my favourites just because it is quite fun to make and it looks quite nice and it's, yeah, it's a nice process. And the um, we did like a twist on a Paloma. That's, you know, so that's quite a nice one with the sort of salt rim and, yeah, lots of grapefruit flavours in there. So yeah, I think they're my favourites, yeah. Has it changed your own drinking, the process of writing the book? You did dry January this yeah, year, I Yeah, I did. You? I did dry January. And I think, again, it made me focus on what it was I liked about drinking because I never really considered it. And I think for me, it was the process and the kind of ritual of making a gin and tonic for dinner or something like that. And I think it's opened up more possibilities. And I just got really interested in what you could do and what you could change and how you could, you know, take a cocktail apart and then rebuild it without, without the alcohol. And it's just real nice you know project to work on i hope people like it excellent well thank you very much for your time miriam <laughs> Pleasure. um you have kept me off the booze for at least 35 <laughs> minutes there so that's an achievement and obviously you've brought a bit of color to uh, tom's cheeks yeah so, you know. lovely yeah really really nice thanks for listening to the bbc good food podcast with me tom kerridge for more brilliant cooking advice don't miss the quick bonus recipe episode let's cook together See you next time.